Good day and welcome to yet another episode of the Fellowcast. You are listening to me, your host, Valdu. And with me today, not in the studio, but in my office, I have Pastor Rob Lucas. Welcome. Welcome, Pastor Rob. Thanks, Valdu. Today, we're going to speak to Pastor Rob just about the vision of the church. Um, in general, visionary stuff, what's happening around the church. Um, before we had Garth, um, Garth Van Niekerk, and, and he spoke to us about worship ministry. So for today, we just want to ease into it and, and maybe find out a little bit about yourself first before we get into the deeper stuff of the church. And if you don't mind, would you tell us a little bit about um, your call to ministry? How did that happen? When when were you called into the ministry the first time or when were you called? <laughs> yeah, called is a, is a, a specific word. Um, I, I knew as a 16-year-old that God had basically told me that I would pastor um, and uh, there were a number of prophetic words in my school days of of preaching and of pastoring, uh, but that never ever uh, no, that that took a bit of time to come to bear, <laughs> because uh, it wasn't until I was in my mid thirties that I finally gave up my business and went into the pastorate as an apprentice pastor in the then uh, Petersburg Baptist Church that later became Christ Baptist Church. And I, I served uh, an apprenticeship time with Pastor Nikki Kutzer, okay. who was the senior pastor. So yeah, how did that call come about? I just had a sense of knowing in my spirit. It, it wasn't about uh, a voice. It was just a knowing in my spirit that this is where God was leading me to. This was what I was made for. Um, yeah. And even though I knew that, I resisted it for a long time. Um, went into uh, different avenues in life. Uh, but came back to it okay. in my 30s. So maybe if you could tell us, it was actually my next question, if you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you did before you went into full-time ministry. What was li- life like since the call on at 16 years and then stepping into the full-time ministry at, at around about 30? What, what was your life like back then? I, I think uh, I'd speak to you about the influencing factors. Obviously, there was, um, there was uh, a good grounding in a good boys' school. Um, there was military, national service, and, and uh, serving uh, in the then Rhodesia. And um, later I went into the meat industry where um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed working. I mm. uh, found it challenging. Um, and then after I had my accident and lost my leg, I um, in, in a demolition accident, mm. I, I went into doing paving and curbing. Um, in a wheelchair, I believe. In a wheelchair, yeah. Um, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that, but never ever found that that was where I fitted. Yeah. Um, but it made money, and it kept bread on the table. Yeah, yeah. And and so so how did you make the switch then? What what uh, appropriated the switch from doing what you did into into the ministry? I, I, it was quite an interesting thing because uh, we. I came to a point where I realized that I needed to I needed to make the switch. I was afraid I, I actually didn't have a, a matriculation. Okay. Um, studying was a, a big deal in front of me, and um, uh, I applied to go to a, a university in the United States mm-hmm. um, very bro- boldly, and um, the Lord closed those doors very specifically and i had already gotten rid of my business uh with a view to going to study and Mm. then the local pastor asked me to 
simply come and work in the church. Okay. Uh, and to do what I'd been doing for many years. For many years, I had been running um, Bible studies, plural, a week. Yeah. I had been doing the visiting of the, the older age folk. I had been taking care of the, the folks who were in uh, hospice. Yeah. So I, I'd been very active in ministry, even though I had my own business. Yeah. Um, and he wanted me to do that on a more full-time basis. And so for the next four years, uh, I served an apprenticeship, basically, mm. um, pastoring in the church where there was a very strong administrative, um, very strong apostolic kind of ministry. Mm. But uh, I became the pastor in that, that mix. Okay. Um, from there, uh, while we were there, it obviously studying still had to be done. Yeah. And uh, we just felt that the time came and the time was ready. And after four, four and a bit years, um, came to study in uh, Cape Town, went to the Bible Institute, mm. um, where I, I qualified, and then never felt called back to Petersburg, mm. where we were. Um, and so, yeah, th that's kind of the, the route to... Before we came here, okay, that that's that something that you mentioned before in terms of your previous life experiences. Mm. It's often something that comes out in 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 your messages, your military years, your your meat years after the accident. Um, would you say that these things were all part of of preparing you for the ministry um, in terms of timing wise? Those were things that that were necessary. I'm not talking about the accident. <laughs> you, you you know, Mart, <laughs> um, but in terms of people listening. And, and wanting to go into ministry, maybe, or feeling a call into ministry. I, I think that what what I will say is, is that working uh, prepared me to work with people. Mm. It it humbled me because uh, I think that when whenever we we feel like God has called us, we just think that we got to step into it and do it. Yeah. It it was the realization that um, I needed to be changed in my character. Uh, if I look at who I was when I went into ministry and who I was when I was 17, 18, um, the military did a lot of work in yeah. in, in molding my character. I can imagine. Um, uh, some for good and some for bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I do believe that that period wasn't lost. Um, I think that God uses it. However, if I'd have if if I'd have felt called and gone and studied when I was younger, I believe God would have used that the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would have still had to have had that character building process mm. for which I'm very grateful for the, the four years of apprenticeship yeah. because I could learn in a church context uh, how to deal with people and, and, and how to conduct myself. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's Paul Manwaring, he has the, the quote that he says, God wastes nothing, he gets you ready. And, and I fully believe that in terms of our life journeys, whether we take a bit of a, a side road God still is intended on getting us to where he's called us to. So let's let's jump a couple of years ahead mm. and with the fellowship, we, where we are right now, the fellowship church, uh, um, you, you came to Fishuk uh, and then you, you, yesterday actually explained to me again the, the call you felt to, to come to Melkbush Strand. So maybe just share quickly the, the birthing of, of the fellowship and then, where we are right now and, and what the vision is for, for the future. Mm. Okay. Well, um, after realizing that we weren't to go back to Petersburg, we remained in Fishhook, mm. where we just served in the church uh, for a number of months. 
um, waiting because we believed that there was a calling, but it wasn't happening. Yeah. Um, and um, on one evening, uh, Pastor John Thomas asked me if I would come and preach in Milkbush Strand uh, for three weeks because the then pastor, uh, Pastor Reg Friend, uh, who'd, who'd actually established this work here, um, was needing to take leave and to consider what, what he was going to be doing. So uh, I'd agreed that I would come through, not knowing where Milkbush Strand was. Yeah. <laughs> I came through with Julie and the children, and um, uh, we, we preached the, the three sermons. And um, on our way back on the, the third Sunday, um, just as we were going past where the golf course is now, and there was obviously no golf course back then, the Lord clearly spoke into my spirit, um, I'm going to do a great work in Milkbush. Mm. Do you want to be part of it? Mm. Sure. Um, and it was an invitation. It wasn't a direction. It was, you can do this if you want to, or yeah. you can walk away from it. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, we, we just sensed in our spirit that this was God. And a few months later, Reg actually resigned, and um, then Fishhook appointed me mm. to come here and to take on what was left uh, by Reg uh, as as a fellowship. Mm. Okay, and, and so for those who are listening, um, I, I assume that everyone knows that Pastor Rob is the senior pastor of the fellowship. He's the visionary leader, um, which most people would know. But in terms of in terms of where we are right now as a church. What what makes you excited about where we started out with 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 a a small church of I think you said four members started out, and where we are today? Uh, what what would you say, in a, in a nutshell, if I can? I know it's not always easy, but would be the the vision for where we are going at the moment. Okay, I, I think God has made it very clear that um, I I want to speak to discipleship, and I know it's it, it, because it's part of my vision. Yeah. Um, and and discipleship for me is not a course. Discipleship is is a growing people into their potential yeah. as God created them to be. And so discipleship means that we equip people, we grow people, we we grow their characters. And so over the years, we've seen people being discipled, mm -hmm. and we're seeing people discipling other people. Yeah. So the the process of growth has has been. It was very slow to begin with because we, we discipled our first members yeah. and then those members began discipling more. So the exciting part of it now is, is that we've got a number of people who are discipled and who have a passion to disciple others. Mm. And so, yeah, exponential growth is, is kind of what we're looking at yeah. because uh, it's not one or two people working now. It's it's two or three hundred people who are doing the same job um, training up others mm. for the kingdom. Mm. So I in terms of growing people, we would see as a church that the first thing that the people need to be is healed from the damage of the world. Mm. Because the world lies and, and steals and cheats from all of us. Um, and we need to see them refreshed in their, their character, in their calling, in their being, um, and released yeah. to be able to go into the world and to touch the world. So for me, uh, the excitement is more people touching a broken world. Yeah. More people getting out there and where I can't go to. Mm. Um, we, if we've got 500 people going every day, well, praise God for that. But it'll be better when it's 10,000. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so you mentioned something in there about um, broken people and being healed up. 
I, I know that deliverance is, is a very much a, a passion of yours. Maybe maybe could you share to, with us why deliverance is so important, specifically to the church? Um, why, it, why it is so important? Well, I think Scripture is quite clear that um, deliverance is, is an ongoing process. Mm. Um, we read that we have been delivered, we are being delivered, yeah. present continuous tense, and we shall be delivered. So the, the part of, of uh, uh, sanctification that is often neglected is that people want to change their actions without changing their hearts. Mm. Mm. And and deliverance is a is a very direct changing of one's heart and a healing of your soul. Mm. So when when we talk about it, uh, uh, my my testimony would be that I was a a man who had grown up with fear as my best friend. Mm. Um, I never knew a time that I wasn't scared of the dark. I never knew a time when I wasn't scared of the demonic. Sure. Um, I never knew a time when, when I, I avoided all conflict for fear that something, the unknown, might come upon me. So you can't really be a pastor uh, when you're afraid of the demonic. Yeah. Um, you can't pastor people when you're afraid of them. Mm. And so um, I, I had a, 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 an experience one day where uh, a demon-possessed person came into my home and... Um, as I was speaking to them, it felt like I was being choked. Sure. And um, Julie came in and rebuked them, and they left. And I I thought the problem was with the other person. Mm. I never realized that this was just a, an evidence, a manifestation of fear in my yeah, own yeah. life. Sure. That was now becoming physical. Yeah. Um, and and I, I thank God for people like Derek Prince um, and various other people who's writings i was able to go and identify what had taken place yeah um and then i'm also grateful to and I, i'll mention his name rob Lindsay, who who through email took me through a process of of deliverance over an eight months period wow um and then and then finally being able to sit um with trevor goddard and and go through a process of being set free mm. from fear and I can tell you that it was it was so powerful that I felt the lifting of the fear from me, and it's never been there again. Mm. Um, that I've I've never had to worry about the dark or the demons or the whatever. Yeah. Um, and I realized that this was so real, but I'd never experienced anything like this before. Yeah. But it changed the way I do ministry. It changed the way I deal with people. It changed the way I deal with the demonic. Mm. For, for suddenly there was a part of me that came alive that had always been hidden under fear. Mm. And now the fear was gone. Yeah. Uh, so I realized right there and then that part of my sanctification process was being set free from fear because fear prevented me from walking in what God would have mm. me to walk in. Sure. That's powerful. And, and I can honestly say we as as people in the congregation we often don't recognize the the wake in which we walk in because of the, those kinds of um momentous occasions where 
a leader in the church gets set free and it just trickles down through the rest of of the the staff and the leaders and the congregation and 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 to me deliverance is something that's so normal and where before i came here i didn't really know about it and and it's it's amazing to hear where it all started and to see how there is significance in a in an individual receiving deliverance and I, i think as an encouragement to people listening that if you get deliverance it's not just for yourself it's it's to impact those around you as well god doesn't he wants us free but he, he does it so that you can touch those around him with that same kind of deliverance. Yeah, and and you know my my kind of mindset is is that it's got to be in the word. Yeah, yeah. And and so it, it was it was really a big thing to be able to have to go into the scriptures and to say, okay, God, I've now had this experience. Yeah. Um, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? But how do I explain it? Um, because I can't hide the reality of what had taken place. Yeah. And many of those, the elders who are with us today, who started off with us 20, 21 years ago, um, will tell you that, that there was a radical change in me mm. uh, as a result of that deliverance. Sure. And so they saw it and they wanted to know what it was. And therefore, we had to go into the scriptures and we had to begin to, to, to dig in and find and say, okay, God, this is what you've been saying to us needs to take place. Mm. So it took us about two years to preach through this whole process of deliverance before we were at a place where we realized this is a work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a, a setting of the captives free. Yeah, that, and and that's powerful, and and praise God for that for the deliverances that we've seen personally, and because of what God has done and started in in this congregation. And so then I I just want to add on one last mm. thing. The, the scripture itself says, Jesus speaking says, "If I cast out demons, um, in then the kingdom of God has come upon you." Yeah, kingdom has come near. And and so we, we we really need to recognize that that many people are kept from the kingdom because of the the strongholds of mm. fear and doubt and anger and bitterness mm. hatred. Yeah. Um, they never enter into that that fullness of the kingdom. Yeah. Sure. So, just jumping on from that, uh, deliverance is obviously a massive part of what we do on a daily basis. And just in, in from a let's say visionary perspective, from a, from from a view from the top, what are some of the other ministries that that people may not be aware of that happen around the church on a daily basis? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I would say to you that uh, we probably need to recognize that as a church, we we operate on a fivefold ministry basis, where we believe that people are anointed and called into ministries. So um, we would have the teaching of the word mm. through those who teach, who have the, the spiritual gift, but also the calling of teaching. Yeah. Um, so we have various Bible studies um, and interactive groups where the word is taught, where people can sit under the word, where they can get into the word, where they can love the word, and they can appropriate the word for themselves. Yeah. Um, we, we also have ministries that fall under the, the, the auspices of um, the prophetic ministry, hearing God's voice, um, knowing uh, how to encourage one another in the spirit, mm. um, building one another up. Um, we, we see a development over the years of, of the manifestations of the spirit. So we would teach on things like what do we do with discernment? Mm. Or maybe what is discernment for many people because they don't know what discerning of spirits is. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, how do we pray for healing? Because that's part of the manifestation, the evidence of the Holy Spirit, that there would be various healings. So there's there's the, the obviously you you'll chat about healing rooms, yeah. but there's there's prayer for healing on a daily basis, yeah. um, and and particularly on a Sunday. Um, so yeah, we would also look at at how how do we steward the gifts that we have, mm. words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Yeah. A great teaching in terms of that needs to be uh, grabbed hold of by the congregants. Yeah. We're also in a space where we're starting to push an overflow and looking more and more at uh, evangelism mm. being something that is formal. Yeah. That it isn't just something that we we kind of do, but we something expect. that we, but it's something that we do with with purpose. Yeah. That we we begin to evangelize, taking the the good news to the lost, mm. and then. In, in an apostolic sense, we're, we're beginning to overflow our culture, particularly the culture of being a deliverance church, yeah. into other churches, taking that that not just as a ministry, but as a culture, as a way of life, a yeah. way of doing Christianity into other churches. Yeah. We have two school. We have a school on the premises, uh, an ACE school, a fellowship college. We have a, a preschool on the premises. So all of that is happening every single day. Mm. Um yeah, we, we've got people coming in just for prayer meetings, um, early in the mornings, middays, some even in the evenings now. Mm. Um, so various ministries that we would consider fivefold related yeah. are taking place every day. Yeah, you often say that, that we, we're wearing out the building, and, and it's so true. And I think many people's uh, perspective on church is, like you always say, it's half a day on a Sunday. And for those who work for the church, but it's often so difficult to explain all the things that are happening around because uh, there's so much, uh, like you said, schools and because teaching is also a big part of what we do here. Um, training up of the saints, like you just mentioned, doing deliverance in other churches, training their staff members, and and so exporting the culture, which I'm very excited about. And I think as a, as not just our church, the church, I think it needs to be more normal to go and share the gifts from from what God has given to our bo- part of the body with the rest of the body. So so I'm very excited about what's busy happening in our church and, and in the church in general. So I know this is maybe a big a big question and, and if you don't want to answer right now you don't have to. But and, and I know you, you've said before you don't often have these these extravagant dreams. But if, if you would say in ten years time or twenty years time you would you would want to have seen this happen within the fellowship. What would you say? And maybe it's only in fifty years time. I don't know. But what would you say is the big dream in your heart for this congregation? Uh, my my heart's desire would be that w- that which we've started on a very small scale in terms of discipling people, that it would be it would be on such a large scale that. And I don't mean number-wise. I'm talking that people would be so radically changed into the likeness of Jesus that we would we would influence our town mm. and our city and our country yeah. by putting people into the marketplace mm. who walk in the kind of favor that a Joseph walked in sure. because they walk with God. Mm. That their, their, their favor with God would, would give them favor with men but that people would start looking for those kind of people mm. for their jobs. So for me, it's a case of I would like to see us influencing our society mm. 
for the kingdom. Not trying to change our society in terms of just saying, you know, close the pubs and do those kind of things. Yeah. But rather that, that we, we take so much life into our community that the community want us to be here. Yeah. That they call us a blessing. Sure. And as Abraham, Abraham was told that those who bless you, I'll bless. And that, that those who bless us would be blessed by God just because we're here. Mm. And it's, uh, it is really like the Joseph that, that you mentioned, Joseph and Daniel, that even though they worked for non-Christians, so to speak, they were still, they wanted them to be there. They desired for them to be there. They, they called upon them because the favor of God was on them. Um, someone once said, uh, if, if I'm a Christian and I'm in a business, that business is blessed because of me being there, even if the, the owner isn't a Christian or whatever, because God, God's presence goes where we go as Christians. And, and something that I that I see happening from here is that people are being uh, sharpened in, in, in all the different ministries so that when they go, they carry weight uh, um, to, to where they are going. And um, we, we're getting too close to the end here, and, and I, I know we've spoken a lot about visionary stuff and for our church. In terms of the global church and where w- as in the world where we are as the church, what is your sense? I, I'm, I'm asking almost prophetically, what is your sense for for where we are our time in history uh what what is god saying what do you believe we can do to be a part of what what is happening globally in the church Uh, when i look around and i see what's taking place it's it's just god the way we often see the things that are taking place in a very small way here are taking place in the same things are happening in other churches Mm. And it's not because we're related. Yeah. Um, it's not because we, uh, we, in fact, very often we're not even connected with those churches. Sure. But we just get feedback that, oh, this which is going on here is also happening there. So so I have a sense that the, the moving of God's Spirit is going to bring a far greater unity mm. in in churches. Um, that, that we're going to start moving almost on the same page. Sure. Uh, and it's not going to be competitive. It's going to be complementary. Mm. We're going to start seeing that that certain churches carry a, an anointing for certain things. Yeah. And and we will then start saying, we need to share in that anointing. Sure. We need to receive of that anointing. And then other people will say, hey, we need to receive of that anointing. And and th- as we share in the body, the, the eye doesn't say to the, the toe, I have no need of you. Mm. As we begin to recognize our need of other bodies, we will be strengthened beyond what the local church can do. Yeah. Because we will be receiving from the things that we don't have from those who do have. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's quite interesting that you say, say, say it that way because in my conversation with Garth on worship, he also said, one of the things that that he believes needs to happen for worship to to explode is is for people to have a soul focus on God and not worry about what the other person what it looks like but that there's the word he used is a freedom to worship God in the way that 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 he's created you and and we know that different churches do it in different ways but to acknowledge that it's still God honoring and and we can learn from that so it's quite quite interesting how, how these things all link up mm. so on a, on a more personal note how do you 
how do you grow in your love? Because as a pastor, we know that we you need to love people. That's that's kind of the I wouldn't say the first thing. First thing is loving God, but but from there, how do you grow in in loving loving God, loving people, and loving yourself? What do you, what are your kind of uh, um, daily uh, routines in in terms of doing that? Okay. Um, I I think that that that's changed over the years. It's it's not something I can say for the last. 35 years this is what i've done yeah um uh, the 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 obvious is is prayer and the word are, are foundational mm. and that takes different forms so i'm not going to put anything down there i'm just going to say yeah. that they are, are are critical yes um fellowship with the holy spirit is something that i think we neglect a lot mm. uh, just meditating in his presence mm. and allowing him to speak to us um waiting on him in circumstances even though i might think i have the right answer to be able to stop and say i need to hear what you've got to say yeah um almost waiting to yield to him mm. so that fellowship with him because he lives in me he leads me he guides me he speaks to me all the time mm. um, that relationship i have to build and nurture in a, a very um most positive way that i can possibly think it's mm. something that i can't neglect yeah um in terms of 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 growing my love for other people i think my my love for people changed and this is going to maybe take you a little bit longer than you wanted to go my love for people We've changed when when god gave me a vision and um it was a an open vision i was awake and i saw uh jesus on his white horse at the front line of the battle mm. and darkness being right in front of him and he he called me to the front where he was and i came and i remember seeing this picture of me in this heavy armor like a little bit like david in saul's armor yeah. <laughs> and and how he looked at me and the armor fell off and then w the moment that armor fell off i looked into the darkness and i could see people being tormented by demons sure and it was it was the most real picture that i had ever seen and and suddenly i realized that that angry people are tormented mm. and bitter people are tormented and and hateful people are tormented yeah and and the lord just said to me look at your right hand and in my right hand was the word of god and he said a very specific thing to me strike the demons sure with the word not the people mm. and and i remember taking the word and as as i spoke the word at them so that they they were rebuked and they left and then he said look at your left hand and i looked at my left hand and out of my left hand was coming love I can't explain it. I knew it was love. And he said, now love the people. Oh. And I knew that as I put my left hand on those people who'd been tormented, the healing and the refreshing of Jesus came into their lives. Sure. And they were able to move into the light. Before that, it was like they couldn't get into the light. Mm. And they were able to move into the light. And so my love for people is often quite weird. Um I look at them and I see how they bound and my heart yearns for them to come into the light. Yeah. 
and my heart will, will do whatever is necessary that the word and the love of God can touch them and restore them. Mm. So I don't love people because it feels nice. Often, often they are demon-possessed. Yeah. But I can see what is stealing from them, mm. and I know that that's not God's best for them. Mm. I, love, I just love how that, the picture of that, that it's not something that you conjured up. It's an encounter-based thing. That the passion came for God and for people when you encountered God, when when He actually, like we would say, broke your heart for, for that, um, and and I think that's such a crucial thing in terms of ministering to people. It, it, we can get into just uh, I'm just doing it because I can. I, I'm skilled at it, but but really loving someone and really seeing someone restored isn't something we can do in our own strength. And and you just said it there that it is God. He, he gave you this vision. And that's the confidence that we have, that it's a God thing, that he does it through us and, and he uses us. And and just as 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 a means of, of ending off, the, the church, we, we recently have been doing some strategic planning and we've gone through a lot of conversations regarding the vision and cultures and, the, and those kinds of things. Maybe just as, as a way of kind of last words, would you would you mind just giving us the vision that the I know that we've changed the words a little bit, but just uh, in in broad spectrum, what does that vision mean for the fellowship? Okay. Yeah, well, uh, our vision we we did revise, we changed just a few words, but we we simply said that it's it's thousands of people going out daily mm. into our world with the the healing and the refreshing of Jesus uh, to the lost the broken and the downhearted and and that that speaks to um, a church equipped with the love of jesus mm. uh, we can't go unless we're equipped so it speaks to us equipping thousands of people yeah to be able to go wherever they're going and and people go from cape town to joburg they yeah. go from cape town to zurich you know they, they, they're going all over the place mm. but because they're equipped wherever they go they can release the the love of god the healing of god onto lost people mm. and that speaks for itself uh, onto broken people who may be christian or non-christian mm. Um, and, and, and for those who are blinded, you know, to, just to be able to bring the light to them in such a way that it's love, mm. that it's not an attack, but it's, it's almost a rescue mission yeah. that we, we send them out on every day. Sure. Pastor Rob, thank you very much for your time. And, and it's always just great to hear people's hearts behind. We see you on the pulpit and we, we see you around church, but it's often a good thing to, to just catch where someone started off and, and what's really inside of your heart. So thank you for taking the time out. I really trust that you've been listening, will be blessed by this. I'm sure we'll get some time to, to see Pastor Rob again or to speak to him again about some other topics. We definitely will be doing that. And this has been the third or yeah third episode of the fellow cast. I, I'm, I'm already losing count and we just started. And uh, next one up, you'll be able to listen to me uh, have a conversation with Bertie Fanikak. He's going to speak to us about youth and just evangelism and, and his heart for the lost. So I hope you've been blessed and thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye-bye.